up to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. There's nothing more exciting, shocking, life-altering, and what am I getting myself into terrifying than hearing the words, a baby is coming. <laughs> a little over two years ago, my wife and I, we were expecting our son. This is our first child. We're 35 weeks into the pregnancy. Okay, for guys, that's eight months, okay? It's the middle of the night. I'm sleeping. My wife, Krista, pokes me in the ribs. She says, I don't feel good. I said, sweetie, you're eight months pregnant. It's August. It's like 90 degrees in the house. You're not going to feel good. Go back to bed. A couple hours later, this wasn't a finger poke. This was a left elbow shot to the rib cage. My wife says, I don't feel good. I don't want to go to work. Being the understanding, compassionate husband that I am. I said, but sweetie, you have to go to work. You're only eight months pregnant. Babies come at nine months. This was not a high point in our marriage. All right, we both knew that Krista already had a doctor's appointment scheduled at 8 a.m. that morning. So I'm trying to bring some calm, calmness to the situation, okay? I'm not a complete jerk. It's okay. We've got a doctor's appointment. Let's go back to bed. Let's get some rest. Things are going to be okay. At 7.59 a.m., we are sitting in the doctor's office. Both of us, tension not talking. The doctor shows up and after doing a number of doctor things, he turns to us, he looks at us in one breath, he says, this baby is coming today. I know there's some things like as married couples you're not supposed to say to each other. I should have heard the words, I told you so. I, I have never been so glad to be in a hospital surrounded by doctors in case we're in, in the elevator on the way up and my wife decides to have an accident and beat me. <sighs> a baby is coming. I'm really glad we have four other pastors here. If you need marriage counseling, we have four other <laughs> pastors who would be, Nick and Jill would love to meet with you. Pastor Cody and Katie, they would love to spend some time with you. Seriously, marriage is awesome. I have the best wife. In one sentence, life as we knew it changed. A baby is coming. If you have kids, you know what this is like. For the first time hearing these words, it's so hard to process what this even means. We were stunned. We didn't have go bags. We didn't have a car seat in the car. It's eight months. We're supposed to have another month. We're not ready. Four hours later, we're holding our son. Life changed. Imagine with me, Mary, a young teenage girl. She's got a boyfriend, okay? She's engaged to Joseph. The Bible's very clear that nothing physically has happened here yet. She is still a virgin, okay? They're at the, the awkwardly holding hands stage. And, a, and an angel of the Lord shows up to, to Mary and says, congratulations, you're pregnant you're the mom to the Messiah. Mary's like, what? Luke chapter one says, Mary says, how can this be? 
it says that Mary, she was, she was, quote, greatly troubled. That's the Bible's way of saying her mind was blown. How can this be? In one sentence, one verse, her world completely changed. A baby is coming. Isaiah chapter nine, verse six. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Lord, you're the author of life. Lord, your hands made us. Your breath gave us life. Lord, you became like us. Lord, before we ever came to you, you first came to us. Jesus, speak to us this morning. Jesus, remind us of, of who you are, what you've done, so that, me, so that we may be ready for your return. Lord, we pray this in your name. Amen. Verse six, for to us a child is born. In Hebrew, the very first word starting this sentence is child. Okay, word order stresses the main point right from the get-go. This verse is all about a child. And this child is to us. That's what it says. To us. Is that clear? Is there any confusion on who this child is for? This child is born to us. You're not the mom and dad but this child is born for you. It's really easy to leave this as like a broad sweeping statement, okay, for all of humanity, but this text says to us, Jim, this child is born to you. Michael, this child is born to you. This is personal, this is to us. Josh Fleming, all the way in the back, this child is born to you. I'm guessing when you woke up this morning, you, you probably weren't expecting to hear that another baby's on the way. Another child is coming. Michael, are you expecting another child is coming to you? We have two kids, a son who's two, a daughter who's six. Children are a blessing. We've been blessed. We're okay we're not looking for another child, but this child is coming. This child is to us. 10 days to Christmas, this baby's coming. Are you ready? We're full term. Lady, we're, ladies, we're at 39 weeks. Men, this is nine months. This baby is coming. Go bags are packed. The car seat is in. Get ready. This baby is coming. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. See, when you're expecting a, a child, this is profound, write it down. It's, it's either a boy or it's a girl. It's that simple. Uh, there's really not any other options here. It, you, you get what you get, right? Uh, there's no like build a baby at the mall. Uh, you don't stand in line somewhere and, and check off, I want blonde hair, and, and I want blue eyes. And there's no deluxe upgrade package, okay? Three-sport athlete, that'd be sweet. 
Straight A students, I'm paying for that. There's no picking, there's no choosing. You get what you get. But look at this, this is different. We're not getting a son. It says we are given a son. To us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. See, 700 years before the nativity, the prophet Isaiah, he's anticipating the future birth of this coming child, this son that will be given to all of humanity. It sounds like John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he what? Gave his only son. See, God gave the first Christmas gift. God gave his son, Jesus. Jesus is the only person who can fulfill this prophecy. Jesus is the only child born from humanity, a son given from divinity. This is Jesus, 100% fully God, wrapped up in the package of a man. See, if we stop at the first half and just leave it at a child is born, this child will be like every other child that's ever been born in history. The U.S. Census estimates there are 250 babies born every minute of every hour of every day. That's more than four babies a second. That's a lot of babies. But this baby is unlike anyone or anything. This is the one child like this. This is the second person of the Trinity. This is God himself. This is the long-awaited, the anticipated, the promised, the coming king. This is the Messiah. This is the anointed one, the Lord most high. He came to the earth from the outside. He left the throne. He stepped out of heaven, came to us. He came undefiled, uncontaminated, unpolluted. He came pure and spotless and blameless. He came more innocent than any other child could have ever come. He came holy. This baby was not conceived from this world. This is God in the flesh, Emmanuel. This is God with us. See, nothing in his humanity takes away from his divinity. Nothing his divinity can take away from his humanity. This son is fully God. This child is fully man. And here we wrap these two natures together, and this is the person of Jesus. This is the eternal, manifest power and presence and glory of God Almighty wrapped up in the first ever Christmas gift, an eight-pound, eight-ounce, beautiful baby boy. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. Babies are precious, aren't they? There's just something about a, a baby. Just They're just these, these little people, right? They're just so little and tiny and these little hands and this little finger and they're just so, so cute and cuddly and just... They're just precious. But God didn't give his son to be a little precious baby. God gave his son to be a perfect substitute. I love nativities. I love manger scenes. We've got a, a little people nativity for our son to play with, a little plastic nativity. And we have a willow tree nativity that our son does not play with. Both nativities, they they always have the same things, right? I mean, you've got Mary and Joseph, they've got to be there. Little baby Jesus, a must, right? 
We've got the animals. We've got the wise men and the crowns. We've got the angel, the shepherds, and there's usually this, this bright shining star. What's with the star? What's with this like spotlight on this sleeping child? Ever thought about that? At our house, we do everything possible to put our kids to bed. Sleep is a beautiful thing with little ones. We, we've got this whole routine at night. We, we've got bath time. We've got pajamas. We've got read them a book. We, we, we go to the room. The lights are off. The curtains are pulled. The shades are drawn. We, we've got this little lamb sound machine doing its thing in the corner. We, we've got everything possible to get our kids to sleep. The last thing we want is this bright shining star hanging over the crib, Right? We've got a game plan when our kids are asleep of how we can sneak upstairs the best. And, and we, we step, my wife's a lot better than I am, we step over certain stairs so that they don't creak. Our hallway, it's, it's like this obstacle course where we dodge the noisy floorboards, stepping over their toys so we don't make a sound, not a peep. The kids are asleep. This nativity is different. This is the star of David shining down from heaven. And there's something missing from this nativity. In fact, there's there's something missing from almost every nativity. It's the cross. I have yet to see a nativity set with a cross. The cross should be in the corner. It should be hanging out over by the camel. See, the the glow of the moon at night should be reflecting on the cross, casting a shadow over the manger. The bright light, this, this shining star of David hanging over the manger, that's the sign of the divinity. The shadow of the cross casting over the manger is the sign of the humanity. These two wrap together. They become the blanket of this baby. Let me say that again. The shining star of David from heaven is a sign of this son's divinity. The shadow casting from the cross is a sign of this child's humanity. Together, they are the blanket over this baby. See, I know the thought of the cross for some kind of crushes the Christmas spirit. But that's the point. See, we've got to see that from the very beginning, the very purpose of Christmas is not just for a son to be born, not just for this child to be born, but for a son to be given. See, not only does, uh, was he born unto us, not only does, does he belong to us, but we belong to him. See, he he came in our place. He is our substitute. He was given in the manger on our behalf. Not only is his birth for us, his death is for us. Both are unto us. The cross is at the nativity. I love manger scenes. I love nativities. Over the next two weeks, as you see these, I want you to think about this. That really happened That, that nativity, that manger, that really happened. Jesus was born in a manger. His crib was a food trough for barnyard animals. His bedding was straw. 
Angels were there. Shepherds were there. The wise men were there. The star was there. Mary and Joseph became parents to the Messiah. That happened. And it happened unto us. It happened for us. This is the one Christmas gift that really, really matters. Just like with the baptisms, have you received it? His birth, his death unto us. Have you opened that? For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. See, this baby will carry the weight of everything. The prophet Isaiah is writing 700 years before the birth of Jesus. And during this time, the government was, was wicked, miserable, evil. This is an all-time spiritual low. This isn't political. This is, this is historical. During this time, the king of Judah was King Ahaz. King Ahaz was the most wicked king Israel ever had. Say, wicked. Second Chronicles, Second Kings tells us how wicked he burned his own sons as a sacrifice to Baal. He was the most unfaithful, most ungodly, worst king Israel had. He stole silver and gold out of the temple to pay a bribe to their enemies from the king of Assyria just to save his scrawny, lousy little neck. Second Chronicles, Second Chronicles 28, 25, he shut the doors to the temple. King Ahaz single-handedly shut down the worship of Yahweh. On every street corner, he built up altars to worship false gods. When King Ahaz died, they didn't bury him in the tomb with the kings. They didn't want his dead, rotting corpse with the rest of the kings of Israel. They buried him in Jerusalem with everybody else. Isaiah lived through a miserable, evil wicked, all-time low, spiritually dead king and government. But now a baby is coming. And this baby will be a son. And this son will be a king. And this king is gonna be the complete opposite of Ahaz. See, Isaiah now jumps from the nativity, the birth of the son, to now the return of the son. He jumps now to the revelation Jesus. He goes all the way to the return of Christ. And he describes him as the government shall rest on his shoulder. See, this, this baby is all grown up. This baby is a fully grown man. This baby has a shoulder. This baby has a shoulder to carry the authority, the control, the power. This is the ruler. This is the victor. This is the conquering king. This is the revelation Jesus. Man, we've been blessed these last two months with Pastor Doug and the revelation Jesus. That's the Jesus Isaiah pictures coming back to rule. That's the king that's coming. For Isaiah, in this, this miserable, screwed up government, there's hope. Because there will be a day when everything is made right there will be a day when everything is restored. I want to illustrate this. When you've got something heavy to carry, how do you carry it? You, you, you can pick it up. If you've got two hands, you can pick it up. Lift with your legs, not with your back. You could drag it. Or 
You could throw it over your shoulder, right? Obviously, I stole this from Santa. If you've got something heavy to carry, how do you carry it? You throw it over your shoulder. Just like Isaiah, when things are around you at an all-time low, not only do we remember the nativity happened, but the return of the king is really gonna happen. But until then, until the king comes back, we live in a world like Isaiah, miserable. We live in a sin-cursed, fallen, shattered, broken world where there's burdens, where there's hurt, where there's disappointment, where there's pain. We, we live in a world where we're carrying things on our back, on our shoulder. We live in a world where we're, where we're holding onto these burdens and these problems and they're weighing us down and they're crushing us and they're eating away at us and they're beating us up. We're carrying these things around on our shoulder that, that they don't belong to us. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast your cares on Jesus because he cares for you. Give it up. What's on your shoulder that should be on his shoulder? We live in a sin-cursed, fallen world. We've got bad choices we're holding on to. We've got hurt and disappointment we can't get away from. We've got trouble with finances. Bitterness is eating us up. We've got anger. Cast your cares on Jesus. Get away from it. If you can throw it, throw it. Get completely away from it. We're holding on to family pain and loss and hurt and disappointments Cast it on Jesus. We're not made to carry this. Get rid of it. We've got regret. We've got addictions. Lose it. Put it on his shoulder, not your shoulder. We've got loss. We've got loneliness. Why are we carrying this around? Get rid of it. We weren't made to carry these as burdens weighing us down. Our shoulder can't handle this. His can. Cast your cares on him. He cares for you. The word cares is a junk drawer. Whatever it is, the problems, the issues, the hurts, the pain, the suffering, the loss, the sickness, whatever it is, get rid of it. We live in a fallen, broken world. And until the king comes back and makes everything right, get rid of it. Cast it on him. Kick it to the curb. As a dad, there's nothing better than having my, my kids rest on my shoulder, fall asleep on my shoulder, be comforted on my shoulder. See, Jesus, his shoulder is strong and his shoulder is soft. He can comfort you. Jesus could have floated down from heaven in his humanity. He, he could have shown up with an army of angels. He could have shown up in his full glory as a fully grown man. He, he could have came and said, here's my hands. Here's my feet. Let me hurry up. Let me get back to the cross. 
Let me get back to heaven. Where's the cross? Do your worst. That cheapens his humanity. We, we, we can't relate to that. Before we can trust Jesus, he had to learn how to crawl. In order for Jesus to sympathize with our weakness, he had to be tempted in the every way that we are tempted. He was a teen. He, he experienced pain from broken relationships. He lost loved ones. He knew what it was like to be exhausted and tired. He understands what it's like to be disappointed and lonely. No one has the shoulder that Jesus has. In his humanity, he's done it. He's lived there. He's been that. And in his, in his divinity, he's made to handle it. What's on your shoulder that should be on his shoulder? This baby is unlike anyone or anything. This baby will carry the weight of everything. And this baby has a name that means something. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Something awesome about these names. These are four pairs of names. And each, each name combines the humanity with the divinity. Here a, a son, Isaiah is taking us full circle where this, this son that's given, this, this child is born, now has a name. He merges them together. As a son, there's four names. These names are only used to describe God. These are God's names. Wonderful, God, everlasting, and peace. And as a child, there's four names that describe Jesus' humanity This tells us the action of what Jesus will be like, counselor and mighty, father and prince. So Isaiah, what he's doing, he's merging the divinity, the humanity. He's merging the child and the son of of who Jesus is and what he will be like in these names. Wonderful counselor. When we say the word wonderful, we, we usually mean something was good. I, I could say I had a wonderful time last night. Uh, but what I mean is uh, scoring 100 in bowling at the Brownsburg Bowling Alley isn't exactly out of this world spectacular. This is wonder. This is marvel. This is miraculous. This is eye-opening, jaw-dropping, scratch-your-head confusing. How did that just happen? Something only God can do. This is God's mighty acts. This is the word for him parting the Red Sea. This is walking across the dry ground on the Jordan River. This is raising the dead. This is wonder. God, how did you do that? What just happened here blew my mind mystery. Only God can do something like that. Wonderful. Counselor. It's all about wisdom. He knows the problem. He knows the answer. He's the king. He doesn't need a cabinet. He doesn't need support staff. He doesn't need advisors. He doesn't need our input. Really, he, he's good. He knows everything. And we put these names together, it means something. He's the one who can do miracles, and he's the one who knows everything. He knows everything you're going through right now. He knows not only the reality, he knows all the potential, hypothetical, possible outcomes, all the coulda, woulda, shouldas of life, Jesus knows. And he's the one who has the power to change it. 
He's the wonderful counselor. He's the miraculous, all-knowing one. When an angel came to Mary and said, a baby is coming, Mary asked, how can this be? The angel says, nothing, nothing is impossible with God. Wonderful counselor. He's also mighty God. Throughout the Bible, the word mighty can also be used to mean hero. It's used of David's mighty men, heroes, men who risked their lives to save the lives of others. Uh, here at Harvest, we've got a number of firemen, uh, Tim and Tom Drummond, Rob Coonfield, Austin Tribula, Levi Seymour. Um, Austin and Levi are two firemen in our small group. And about two months ago, uh, Levi's here. Levi was, uh, was at work in Speedway. His station got a call to a fire. He was on the ladder truck, the first truck to get to this house fire. This was an abandoned home and a squatter was living in it. It was a hoarding house filled with trash. And they knew somebody might be in there. So without the water truck, Levi went into the house. He said the smoke was so black, he couldn't see two inches in front of his mask. And they went room by room as the trash is burning all around him. After searching the house, they found nothing. So they went back through a second time searching the rooms. And this time Levi found someone. He found a man passed out, lying on the floor. So with another fireman, they picked him up they pulled him, they carried him, they took him out of the house. That's a hero, right? Risking his life to save someone else. That's what Jesus did for us, right? We were the one passed out, laying on the floor, destined to death, and he's the one who pulled us, who picked us up and carried us on his shoulder out of the burning house. Jesus, his name is mighty. His name, hero. In his humanity, Jesus has the name hero. He rescued us. He pulled us. Every time you see a fire truck, I wanna encourage you, Think of that. Think of Jesus pulling you, carrying you over his shoulder. Think of him rescuing you from the pit of hell, from the fire of hell. Jesus, our hero. In his humanity, he's our hero. In his divinity, his name is God. His name is God. That's clear fully God. His nature, God. Who he is, God. 100% full God. And his name shall be everlasting father. In his divinity, his name is everlasting. His birth was not the beginning. He's always existed, second person of the Trinity. In his birth, Jesus took on flesh to be God with us, so that he could be a visible representation of the Father. Colossians 1.15 says, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. See, part of why Jesus came to earth, took on flesh in the incarnation to be a man like us, is so that we could have a relationship and relate and get to know him 
so that he can make known what his father, God the Father, the invisible spirit is like. We get to know Jesus, we get to know God. God the Father who loves his children, who's patient and compassionate, whose grace and truth God, the father who betrayed himself, who makes sacrifices and his son, the father who's strong, powerful, almighty, who disciplines, who disciples, who's passionate and jealous and fierce for his family. These names, they, these names don't make any sense for anyone else. When was the last time you heard a baby named Everlasting. Who calls a child father? But that's his name. That's who he is. That's what he's like. This is the God-man Jesus. His name shall be called Prince of Peace. Prince is the name of his humanity. He's the newborn king, the infant king, the heir to the throne that he will rule. And his kingdom is peace. His divine name is Peace. Our daughter is six months. Her name is Piper. We call her Pipes. Because when she cries, she's got a set of pipes on her. We don't call her Peace for a reason. She's precious, but we call her Pipes. This is divine peace. Okay, this is relationship peace. We're just like with baptism. Our sins are no longer counted against us. We have been rescued. We have been pulled. We have been saved. We have been redeemed. Our life is now his. His name means something. What name means the most to you? What name do you need to hold on to this year? This time at Christmas, what name do you need to remember? A baby is coming 10 days away. What do you need? As a divine son, he is wonderful. He is beyond comprehension. Nothing is impossible. Miracle. He's God. God in the flesh. God with us. He's everlasting, eternal. He doesn't change. He's constant, alpha, omega, no beginning, no end. He's peace. His righteousness restored our relationship with the Lord. He, he reconciled and redeemed us as his son. As a human child, Jesus will be the counselor. He's wise. He knows everything. He sees it. He understands it. He gets it. He's mighty. Our hero who pulled us, who rescued us. He's father, loves us. He's patient, compassionate. He's prince. He's the heir to the throne. He's coming back. He's gonna make all things new. Here's how I wanna end. I wanna go through this, this phrase and, and I wanna hear from you out loud. What's the name you're gonna hold on to? What's the name that means the most to you? What name do you need to go back to this Christmas season? Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, 
I want you to say it out loud. So I'm gonna say his name shall be called and I wanna hear from you. What name are you holding on to this Christmas? His name shall be called. Let's, Let's try that again. It's good practice. One more time. For to us, a child is born. For to us, a son is given. And the government shall be on his shoulder and he shall be called. Hold on to that. Remember that name. Let's pray. Lord, it's really simple. Your name is above all names. Lord, you are all of those things to us. And Lord, at this time, we wanna see a bigger picture of who you are, not only as an infant child born unto us, but a son that's been given for us. Lord, a son who has come as our savior to rescue us. Lord, we so need who you are in your name, Lord, we so need what you've done in your life applied to us. Lord, there's no one like you. Lord, there's nothing that compares to you. Lord, we worship you because you're worthy. You're the one. Jesus, you're the one. Lord, there's no name like your name. Lord, speak to us. Lord, come to us. King Jesus, may we see you in your glory for who you are, not just as a child, a baby, but a man who has a shoulder and a king who's coming back. Lord, we pray this in your name.